Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, obesity, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. This week on the podcast, I wanted to move into some more recent developments in terms of my own health journey and my goal for kind of health and wellness and what I would say before was really a focus on shrinking my body Um, and now I'm moving into more of a focus on healthy body, healthy mind, and adding in some really some new learning into my repertoire. So I do want to get into that this week, but I wanted to start by thanking everybody who has ordered my new novel, Pendulum by S.E. German. I've had my first few reviews come in from people that have read the book and it has been so exciting to get that feedback and even just some of the excitement in the Pandas community um, of people sharing the resource. Uh, it's just, it's been so, so great to hear that people are enjoying the book. And I wanted to read a review from Facebook. It says, I read the book Pendulum written by S.E. German and I have to add it's a great book outlining the journey to diagnosis and how to live with it as a young boy this is a book for everyone not just those dealing with pandas children have many issues with school and social functions and they need to be able to talk to someone about them this boy knows his mom has his back and he can talk to her and that was so touching I was so happy to see um, you know that positiveness coming through so I really hope that other will continue to order the book it is available if you go to my instagram page at sarah lady gluten there is a web page link in the bio you can click on that and then it gives you all the links to where to buy it on amazon and through the Friesen press bookstore so i'm really hoping others will keep reading pendulum So now on to this week's topic. So I have been doing a lot of what I would call emotional, mental work around weight and weight stigma. And so I know I've talked about my um, kind of journey with obesity and health um, throughout the podcast. In episode 12, talking body image in the time of coronavirus, I talked a lot about body image and kind of where I've come from having been an overweight child and then finding kind of so-called success in terms of weight loss in my early 30s, finally. Um, And then now I would say, The journey continues. And so I have had other breakthroughs. In episode 30, I talked about, you know, is Transformation Tuesday just fat shaming, getting at the idea of, you know, we throw up these photos of ourselves before and after, and it somehow denotes that the after person is the good person and the before person wasn't good or, you know, was lazy or was all of these things, right? And um, I just, I find so much negativity there. And then definitely in episode 53 on happiness habits, I talked about um, nutrition and where I'm kind of struggling right now because I am at a point where I am looking for kind of 
a new way of life, I guess I would say. So, you know, in my early 30s, I went on a huge weight loss endeavor. After I had my daughter, I worked with a personal trainer. I had been um, struggling with weight since probably, you know, the age of six, you know, having went to special doctors for weight loss as a young um, kind of middle grader. Also, I, you know, had joined Weight Watchers at the age of 13. I had then, you know, had some success in high school in losing about 80 pounds, and that kind of changed things for me. But then, um, you know, still struggled feeling that I'm bigger than others. And so in my early 30s, I worked really hard with a trainer, really tight on a nutrition plan, and did that for about you know, three, four years straight. And I love working out. So I don't find that that part is hard to keep up. But the stringent nutrition, it just seemed to be that even when I was keeping it at a status quo of what I was doing before, I was gaining weight, you know, slowly but surely just kind of creeping up. And then I would try to change things. And I'd be like, okay, well, then I'm going to remove the carb from my lunch. So, okay, that helped. And, you know, you got your weight a little bit lower again. But then all of a sudden, it starts going up again. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to take the carb out of breakfast. So I'm basically, I'm going to eat no carbs. I'm just going to, my carbohydrates will be vegetables only. No fruit, no grains. So as I started doing that, doing that, it was hard and I was still allowing myself um, a couple cheats a week. So like two cheats. So those were always carbs because I wasn't getting them other than that. And it was kind of crazy to me that, well, so like even a banana would have to be a cheat. So then it would be like, well, I'm not going to have a cheat as a banana. So I think I'm going to choose, you know, popcorn as my cheat. And then I started to think, but I'm not even eating any fruit and getting the nutrients and vitamins um, from fruits and and from grains just generally. So then I started, because I was already kind of leaning this way, looking more at the keto diet, uh, more of a clean keto because I don't really do a lot of like junk. I know people get like McDonald's on keto and somehow eat the beef and the cheese and I don't eat cheese anyway and I don't eat bacon. And so there was a lot of things that didn't really jive for me with keto. I don't eat dairy, so it made it really challenging. And I tried that for a while, mostly because of the weight loss benefits, but then I also felt I had heard so much about people saying how clear their brain was on keto. And I was like, well, this sounds amazing. Like who doesn't want a clear brain and and the energy that everybody talks about. But I just kind of felt all the time like I was struggling and especially with my workouts because there are days that I do two workouts in a day. Um, you know, I generally aim for that if I can get two workouts and it's kind of my optimal And so I was just not feeling the best. And so then I kind of moved into more of um, more of the plan by Kelly Levesque. She has a book called Body Love where she does these morning smoothies. Like keto kind of got me a little bit into smoothies. So these nice, really wholesome morning smoothies, sometimes a little bit of fruit in them, and then a lot of, um, you know, veggies and meat. And so I kind of liked that. Um, and then I started to hear about the benefits of fasting and same thing that people feel so much energy, so clear. So I started to fast, um, first 
trying the 16-8 and, you know, I didn't really see any weight benefits. And then I moved to doing two um, kind of modified 24-hour fasts where basically you only have one meal. And so I would do the smoothie. So on, say, like Tuesdays and Thursdays, those would be my fast days where I would... um, only have a smoothie like probably about midday and then that was it for the day and then the next day kind of eat normal again but again I was ravenous the next day and I probably had more calories than I would have if I had been eating the day before and so I got into doing that and I felt like that was just totally messing with me and when the coronavirus hit and I was home it was a lot easier to fast when I was leaving the house to work um, because I was so busy running around all the time and meetings and this and that that um, I didn't feel it so much but I was just like I can't fast like this at home I just can't and I really started to be concerned about the impression that I was giving my kids that I'm sitting there not eating dinner, not, you know, having food when I'm telling them they should have food. And it just really seemed to be counterintuitive to this like eating for health kind of mentality that I've been trying to pass along to my children. Now, like I said, the other thing people talk about with fasting is sort of this energy and clearness. And and I guess I had a bit of it, but just I also felt, again, during my workouts, because on those days I would still be trying to hit two workouts, um, that I was really struggling. So I just kind of hit a point into the coronavirus where I thought, I don't know. I don't know about any of this anymore. I'm just not sure where I'm going. And... I wanted to partake in some treats and I did. And then, of course, I've gained some weight during that time. So I've been really struggling with about, I guess, now I'm probably at about a 10-pound weight gain. And I feel like, oh, my clothes are tight or don't. Some of them aren't fitting, um, you know. And it's, it's challenging because I don't want to go back to that cycle that I was on before of the restriction, restriction, restriction. So I mentioned on one of the episodes about um, therapy, the mystique of therapy, that I have been seeing a therapist. And so I kind of brought this to her and said, like, I am just really, really feeling conflicted about this because I want to be a healthy person. I enjoy healthy food. I enjoy exercise. But I am struggling with this restriction and, you know, the fact that I am gaining weight and all of these things. Even though I still consider myself to be making mostly healthy choices. And so what I started to stumble upon in speaking with my therapist and then using some of the resource she suggested is a movement that is quite interesting to me. Well, really two pieces. One is intuitive eating. And intuitive eating really includes like eating for what your body needs, but also some of the debunking of what is called diet culture. So diet culture is sort of this huge industry that is fueled by this cycle of people gaining and losing weight. And really this industry benefits from this. Like, let's face it, there are a million products, a million companies, a million different fixes 
for weight loss. And the more that the stereotype of thin is good is perpetuated, the more this industry continues to make. And I think for me, understanding that has been really powerful because I have had this lifelong thought that something is wrong with me. Something is wrong that I am not able to be easily thin. You know, that's the reality. Like, I started to gain weight when I was six years old. So let's face it, my body is not set up to be super thin. And uncovering some of my food sensitivities and things like that, I think has been so helpful because I know things in my body just legitimately were not working properly. So I'm in a lot better place than I was um, at a younger age when when I was still struggling with my autoimmune condition, you know, being flared up through these food intolerances and and, you know, my digestion just not working the way that it should be. But regardless, I also know that I am not, you know, meant to be a super, super small person. And so that's where I say, like, I've kind of lived my whole life in this idea of, like, I got to shrink my body. I got to be smaller. And then when I was smaller, I kind of didn't didn't like parts of it. I didn't like always feeling, like, so small, I guess, and that I should be small. And and that's where I'm really exploring this whole diet culture and the fact that, you know, there is so much put on women to be small. And I think it's just such a societal pressure. So I've been exploring intuitive eating and then also a term called health at every size. And so I don't know how much everybody knows about this, but I have come across a website called generousplan.com and it talks a bit about health at every size, talks about a whole grieving process around um, kind of coming to terms with some of these ideas about diet culture and how much it's impacted our lives and you know, starting to think about intuitive eating, which is, you know, really eating in a healthy way for ourselves where we're not constantly perpetuating this restriction and binge cycle. So health at every size is um, called haze as a short form. And it's on generousplan.com says it's an approach to well-being that's rooted in science and evidence-based healthcare. And its tenants have been proven effective in peer-reviewed journals. So it talks about a few things with health at every size and some of the key pieces. And that is that fatness isn't inherently unhealthy, is one key piece. That intentional weight loss via dieting is not sustainable in the long term. And I think some of the figures on that are just crazy because I've, you know, for the past five years or so been a success story, but it's looking that like 95% of people that are dieting in the medical literature don't have sustained weight loss. And so I've been kind of beating myself up saying like, you can do it. Like you just got to white knuckle it. You can be stronger. You can, you know, cut something else out. You can up this, you know, take away that. And, and, you know, maybe there needs to be kind of a, a place for me to reside that is less um, stringent and hard. 
The next tenet is that health and well-being improvements can be made regardless of your size. So that's kind of looking at everything and saying you can do things no matter where you are at. And I think that's something I've actually always believed. I've always believed no matter whether I was heavier or smaller that I should still be doing certain things like moving and drinking my water and, you know, trying to get sleep and trying to choose a rainbow of foods and and all of those things. Also, that health and well-being are not exclusively about physical health. We chase thinness, thinking that that is optimal physical health. And, you know, there is just more to us than what our body looks like. You know, there's our emotional well-being, there's our ability to be social. I mean, I've went to so many events where I've eaten and drank nothing because I was like, today's not my cheat day and I don't want to mess up my weight this week. And whether it was going to be a weight loss week or a weight sustain week, I would just sit there and not have anything because, you know, maybe some water uh, because I just couldn't couldn't do it um, because it wasn't in the plan. Also that eating well and moving regularly can promote health. And so that's where we get into approaches like intuitive eating that focus on um, looking at your hunger, your nourishment, your satisfaction, rather than, you know, constantly monitoring your calories, your macronutrients and all of those things. Your, you know, hours fasted is another one that has become an indicator people are using nowadays. And then also everyone in our society deserves respect regardless of their health status. And so that is really, I think, getting at some of this societal pressure. You know, there are so many comments made about people that are heavier, so many stereotypes, and it is a real struggle. And I think for me, like I started to see more success when I lost weight and in my career career and in other places and whether that was, um, you know, me wanting to do things that are different and being up to try new things, you know, maybe my attitude changed in a way, but, um, you know, I think there could be arguments made for that being kind of the thinness as well. So, you know, this is kind of what I'm working through right now and, I just wanted to share it because it has been so eye-opening to me to start getting into this literature. And then also, I've been exploring a few new podcasts. And one that I would recommend is called The Food Psych with Christy Harrison. She's had so many people on her podcast. She is um, a health at every size and intuitive eating dietitian down from the U.S., and she really brings a great perspective and good resources in in terms of trying to understand, you know, the societal motivations behind diet culture, trying to kind of make you see how ridiculous some of this stuff is um, in terms of the weight loss industry. And then also she's doing a ton in terms of educating on intuitive eating, and she's had a lot of great guests who have written books. And then she's also written a book as well and is, I think, about to release a second 
book about intuitive eating. So I I would highly recommend the Food Psych podcast. And Christy Harrison, I haven't read her book yet, but it's called Anti-Diet, and I believe it's available at christyharrison.com slash book, and then probably other uh, bookstores book online as well, um, if you're interested in reading that. And then she's also had some of the kind of um, founders of the intuitive diet movement on the podcast who have also written different books. As well as just regular people that have either struggled with weight, eating disorders throughout their life and kind of what their journey has looked like. And honestly, for myself in listening to some of these podcasts, I keep thinking, oh my God, like I could be on this. Like I, you know, it's just, it has been such a struggle. And I think what I would like as I'm now reached, you know, I've reached 40 and I'm kind of feeling like I'm hitting that second half is to just be able to make peace. And I feel like some of this intuitive eating and health at every size work is a lot about that. It's kind of about finding finding peace in your health. And, and I think that sounds wonderful to me. There's also a new Amy Porterfield podcast that is through the Rachel Hollis company, um, her podcast productions, and it's called Talking Body, and it's been a bit of a different one coming kind of from Amy Porterfield's perspective on her body image, um, which I did talk about in my episode 12, but um, It's been working through kind of body image and weight from a number of different avenues, like be it focusing on motherhood or um, focusing on working women and different things like that. So I would say that it's been an interesting lesson. I haven't made it through all of them. I'm only about halfway, but um, enjoying that resource as well. And I think what I'm going to do next, well, one thing I'm interested in is Christy Harrison has a kind of short course, like an intro on intuitive eating through her website, and it isn't very expensive. And so I may do that. It's um, kind of an online course. And I thought that would be a great learning. And then the other thing that I thought would be really interesting is sort of some of the founders of this intuitive eating approach, Evelyn Tribble and Elise Resch, have a book called Intuitive Eating, and it's a workbook. And I thought that would be really interesting to do this intuitive eating workbook Um, because I think it would be nice to have that ability to reflect and and kind of work through it on your own. And then they also do have just a book called Intuitive Eating. So I'd love to read that as well. I know. So that's just some of the work, I guess, that I have to come. And I hope that, you know, if this is something that you've been thinking about as well, that uh, some of these resources will be helpful. I think that it is definitely eye-opening to me in terms of this diet culture and huge industry and and what it's doing to our mind. And I think for me, one of the things I would like to get to when I sort of talk about this peace and this kind of freedom is just that this does not take up a big amount of space in my brain. You know, I just want to get to the point where I can do the things and focus on the things that I want to and not be worried about 
some of this other kind of garbage, I guess is what I would call it. So I hope that's helpful and that you found that interesting. I'm definitely not an expert on this. I am totally just starting to explore some of the resources that I've come across. So um, definitely take take all of this information in that way. Um, not an expert and just starting to read and discover. And what I'm hoping to do on the podcast is come back once I've went through the course and the workbook and sort of let you know where I'm at and what I thought about those materials as well. So again, hope you found it helpful. Thanks for listening. I wrote a book and I am so excited to share it with all of you. Pendulum by Essie German is now available. The story follows a young boy named Ben as he changes from a silly, energetic, happy little guy to a boy that is anxious, obsessive, emotional, angry, and depressed. After visiting 20 doctors and getting seven misdiagnoses, his mental health declining even further, he's finally diagnosed with PANDAS, a neuroimmune disorder. PANDAS stands for Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with Streptococcal Infections. It's a little-known and understood disorder without a cure. At eight years old, Ben and his family move to a new city to start a new life. He gains confidence, navigates his first crush, and plays competitive sports. Ben encounters many challenges in a new school while also coping with his mental health issues and trying to understand and accept himself and his disorder. Ben shares how he handles all the trials of being a middle grader and having pandas and his unique outlook on both the disorder and his life. Pendulum is available at Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, and also through the Friesen Press Bookstore. It can be found in hardcover, paperback, and the ebook. I hope you will check it out soon. I am creating an email list community under the name Real Life Project Co., which is my company name. And with this email list, I'm going to be communicating all about what's going on with the podcast, how things are going in terms of my writing career, and any special events or offers that are coming up, including our current offer, which is a free self-care 30-day calendar that gives you tons of ideas for self-care, to challenge yourself to keep looking after yourself for a whole month straight. If you want to join my email community, please go to my Instagram page at Sarah Lady Gluten and click on the link in the bio, which goes to the Real Life Project Co. webpage. And there you'll have the opportunity to sign up to be part of this community. I've been sending emails just about every week, giving updates on how things are going and where the podcast is at. And I hope that you'll join this community and find connection with me there. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you are looking for that advice, please seek that out from a professional. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can visit my blog, www.theallergybeast.wordpress.com, or follow me online at 
Sarah Lady Gluten on Instagram, S-A-R-A-L-A-D-Y-G-L-U-T-E-N, or the Facebook page, Sarah-Lady Gluten. If you do like the podcast, please consider subscribing so that you will get the podcast update every week and or reviewing the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Thanks again and have a great week.